This morning, I'd like to share with you from Titus chapter 1. Now, I said sometime earlier that I was going to be going through the book of Titus. And so this is just a continuation of that process. And we're going to look at Titus chapter 1, verses 6 through 16. Titus chapter 1, verses 6 through 16. The verses read as follows. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to refute those who contradict. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. It says, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Now I know some of you as I read this text this morning were saying to yourself, this is a text that speaks to leaders, elders in particular, qualifications for the persons in these positions. And I know some of you may have already said to yourself, well this has nothing to do with me, and so I'm going to take up my iPad, my Samsung, let me get up my little book, and I'll do some doodling this morning. Some of you probably said to yourself, well, you know, I've heard this before. Pastor Lee has probably taught on this. I got his notes, and I, I let you know, I, I got his notes too. So I understand. And so some of you are saying, you know what, I got this. Some of you are probably saying to yourself, I, I, I don't think there's anything new in this text. I mean, what else? could you say about leaders? But I believe God always has something fresh, something that he can bring out new to you or I from his word. If we would but listen. Now this text in context specifically speaks to the leaders, the elders. Titus was told by Paul, I left you in Crete to put some things in order and to appoint elders. He then was specific in the qualifications or the qualities that these men should have that you choose to appoint as elders. He also said, there's a reason why. Because as you look at verses 10 through 16, he goes on to explain the conditions that were occurring in Crete at that time. And the reason why you need these type of men in the church. You need qualified men. 
to be able to deal with the false teachers, to deal with the attack that was occurring in the church at that time. Now, application. I'm going to flip the message around. We're going to talk about application at the beginning. As I said, some of you are saying this is just for the elders. But, but as I looked at this text, I had to note the text says in verse 6. It says, if anyone, 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 you, me, anyone, what does that tell you? Does it mean there are only about a certain group of fellows who could be leaders? Now, Timothy does say, if you desire the office, but he says in his text, anyone. The qualities that are listed in this text are not just speaking to elders. If you look at the qualities in this text, these qualities are outlined throughout Scripture that we as believers should demonstrate. There are qualities in here that talk to specific issues that we as God's children need to demonstrate. It talks about being swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, not being angry. And so we're told in Scripture to, to be slow to wrath. We're told in Scripture not to not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We're told in Scripture that these qualities as outlined are actually supposed to be demonstrated by all of us. So I encourage you this morning, as we go through this text, don't just say, yes, this is for them. Ask yourself the question, what is God saying to me? And am I, as his child, manifesting, developing, demonstrating these qualities in my life? They're not skills. They're not gifts. They're qualities that occur by choice. This is your choice. If this is the type of person that you want to be, you can choose to be this type of person. Paul was told Timothy to told, told Titus, these are the men. These are the qualities you have to look for. This morning, I pray that we would all allow God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts. Allow him to challenge us as to where we're at and how we can develop these qualities in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, that it is fresh. Every time we go to it, it is fresh. It is alive. And Father God, as we enter it this morning, I pray we will go into it, Father God, with a, with a hunger and a thirst to hear from you. I pray, Father God, when we leave, we will be refreshed, Father God. Leave with an enthusiasm, an excitement that we have heard from God. And now we will do his will. I pray, Father God, that individuals would not see me. They would hear you and you alone. And Father God, at the end of it, you would receive the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Elders, he said in verse 5, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town just as I directed you. So Paul was saying, listen, I gave you specific instructions 
Titus. Specific instructions. I need you to follow them to the left. And it was very important that Titus did that. He said, now, now let's look at some, an overall quality. He says in verse 6, if anyone is above reproach, one of those pastors, comment made was beyond justifiable criticism, an example or model in overall lifestyle, unable to be rightly accused of wrongdoing. John Calvin says he does not mean some, someone is free from every fault, for no such man can ever be found, but one who is marred by no disgrace that could dis- diminish his authority. Overall, this man must not be someone that you can justly go up to and point a finger at him and see something wrong in his life. He should be above reproach. If he is a man who has a wife, he is to be the husband of one woman. He needs to be a faithful husband. So the man who is to be an elder should not be one who is a playboy. Not just a playboy in actions. See, some of us are playboys in mind, in eyes. That leader should not be one who driving down the street. Hear about him getting in an accident? What happened? Boy, you know, I don't know. The car come out in front of me. Oh, man. This is a man who's not just in actions, but in his very thought life should be one who focuses his attention on his wife. This is a man who should be the husband of one wife. He should be, his children should be believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. His children shouldn't be wasteful, undisciplined, rebellious, out of control. This man should have his family in control. Now, when I was studying this, the word is believers. Some translations say faithful. The challenge, of course, that some say is, how do you save your children? Can you guarantee that your children would be saved? But even if you can't, your children should be under control. The eldest children, the leader's children. And when you look at Timothy, he tells you why. If you can't control your house, which you two. You're three. In my case, you're four. Now, there are exceptions, of course. Catherine is an exception. If you know my daughter, Catherine, she is a unique child. But, amazingly enough, even Catherine can be brought under control. And if, if I ever aspire to that position, can my daughter be one that is out of control? And should I be able to, you know, you know how children are. If you can't rule your house, how you can rule this house? Think about it now. You can't handle your business at home. You can't rule your one woman. You think you can rule all these women? <laughs> oh, come on, man. please, man. Just think with that. Just think with that. That alone. But um, let's move on on that one. <laughs> because an overseer, so his children need to be in control. Now, he continues on in verse 7. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. Now, 
I ask you a question. Why do you think Paul would reiterate and repeat that statement again? You get the impression that's an important point. That if you're going to be a leader in God's church, people cannot point the finger at you. I remember. I remember one time I was in a leadership meeting. And one of the elders, one of the leaders was standing up to say, listen, we're going to speak out against this issue of, it was, it was homosexuality at the time. And he said, brothers, we all need to stand together as leaders. But he made an interesting comment. He said, brothers, and these were other elders he was talking to, I found interesting. He said, brothers, if any of you have any issues in your life, that's a problem, don't come stand with me. The last thing you need is when we stand up as a body and say, listen, we stand up against sweetheart. And all of a sudden, someone says, yeah, but, but what about him? That's all behind you. No, 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 no. No one hiding behind them. No one hiding over there. I see him. We need to have our leaders who can stand up as an example. Have to be. Have to be above reproach. Above reproach. And once again, that doesn't mean that every minute detail. But persons cannot justly, justifiably point a finger at him and find something in his life that is wrong. He must be God's steward. An overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. Now when I was looking at this particular one, it was interesting. He is an overseer. He is one who watches over, who manages, who guards God's people. He's a steward, a manager of God's household. But what does the text say for an overseer is who's steward? Now, some people don't like this particular one. He's not your steward, you know. He's not my steward. Understand who a steward is. A steward was the one who was answerable to the master. Was the steward answerable to the servants? Was he answerable to the children? Did the children give the steward instructions? Tell him what to do? Who did the steward get his instructions from? And who is our steward? Who is your steward if you are a leader? God. Who do you answer to? God. The people? This one was an interesting challenge to me. Because I know sometimes we have a habit of believing that the elders are answerable to us. So what if we ask them to do something that's contrary to scripture? What are they going to do then? Who are they to give account to? The text says that they are overseers as God's steward. God's steward. These men have a responsibility and answerable to God for their action. And guess what? He will deal with them accordingly. I tell people, you know, we look at this and say, yeah, being a leader is no problem. You gotta deal with the people and you have to give answer to God. You think that's between a rock and a hard place? Because all the times those two will not agree. So who are they to finally listen to? I'll let you answer that. He must not be arrogant. 
What must he not be? And he goes through several things. He must not be arrogant. He must not be self-pleasing. Self-pleasing is not about me. It's not about my interests. It's not about what I want. And definitely not at the expense of others. This is not a man who's supposed to be walking around the church. Oh, please, yes, yes, you can kiss my ring. Yes, yes, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. When certain people come about, no, please, no, no, please. This is not the man you want in your position of leadership. He is not a person who thinks highly of himself, who look at, looks on his own things, ignores and neglects the things of others. He's not a person who's harsh, criticizes, grumbles, condemns others, downs others, and elevates his own self. Understand now, he's God's steward, and he's also a servant of the people. And so he looks out for the interest of the people. He's a man who's not quick-tempered, doesn't have a short fuse. He knows how to control himself. Because trust me, church people can get you angry. My goodness, man. You all know yourself. <laughs> you all know yourself, man. You can get under somebody's skin. And you all come, oh, man, Pastor, man, how come, how come that, that, that wall ain't paint that color? Why we you put that up over there? My goodness, man. Guess what? This man knows how to keep himself in check. On the inside? Yes, sister. Oh, yes, yes sister. Yes. yes. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Self-control. He blows up. He loses his temper. He needs to be disciplined, self-controlled, not quick-tempered. He must not be a drunkard, free from indulgence. Now listen, I know some of us have taken a little sip. sip. (laughs) Scripture doesn't say not to drink, but it says this man is not to be controlled by alcohol. This is not a man who lives and has alcohol to be the means by which he's able to function. He doesn't have it always at hand. I gotta have a little sip, okay? This man is self-controlled. This all is about discipline. Self-control. He must not be a drunkard. He must not be violent, quarrelsome. You know, kind of thing. Looking for problems. Looking for an argument. Looking for something to fight over. He has to be a guy who is in control of himself. Not greedy for gain. This man is to be an example of what a true believer looks like. Not greedy of gain. What must he be? The Bible says he must be hospitable. This is a person who loves strangers and is demonstrated in practical ways. He has a heart that is open and a home that is open to minister to the needs of others. Today, this is a rare quality. Not just in the leaders, but in us. We've developed such a selfish, self-centered, me attitude for the things that God has given us, that God has blessed us with, that we aren't even prepared to share. We're never going to be accused of entertaining angels unawares because we just don't entertain. We just don't open our homes to let people in. And we as God's people, especially God's leaders, have to learn to be hospitable. All that we have comes from where? From God. So how you could be stingy with God's stuff. Remember now, 
We are stewards of God's stuff. We ourselves. So we need to learn to be hospitable. Open up your home. Allow people to come in. Share your heart, your finances, your home, your life. You know what the sad thing is? I believe one of the reasons some of us don't want to open our homes. I can touch this one. Some of us don't want to open our homes. because We don't want people to know what's going on in our homes. Some of us, when they come into our homes, they may not see the qualities that are demonstrated here. Because when we come to church, we could look good. This me now. But boy, when we get home. And our kids know us all so well. So we say, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't let them. I mean, can't invite them people into this house. Because you know how I go. Yes, we know how you go. And some of us can't. And guess what? That's sad. That's sad that we can't open our homes. We can't share. Imagine, imagine the opportunity of sharing Christ with someone. And they see the hospitality and the love demonstrated in your home. Imagine the opportunities that we are passing up and missing if we don't have people over, to show them what Christ-like living looks like. Imagine that opportunity we miss. But we must be hospitable. We should be hospitable. We should be a lover of good. Good people, good things. Practicing what is good. Sad to say some of us don't like what's good. Man, you, you, you got to tell them, tell them the truth. Yeah, man, you got to speak the truth. No, man, we don't have to tell them that, man. And the sad thing on our jobs, people know us, you know. People know us. We're the ones who don't put the right figures down. We're the ones who don't come on time and we come late. We're the ones who don't do the good. We're the ones who have no problem with doing a little behind the scenes. I find it so amazing when I deal with Christians. I tell people, I tell my wife this when I come home all the time. I say, honey, I, I got no problems with the unsaved. You know? I got no problems with the unsaved. Because they're unsaved. They're unregenerate. They're lost. They have their father, the devil, the works of their father, they will do. That's an expectation. The problem I have is when I deal with Christians. I deal with Christians on the job. And I say, but, but we're Christians. Yeah, but you know, what is needful is lawful. <laughs> God will understand. That's what 1 John 1 9, therefore. I always tell people, listen, 1 John 1 9 is a net. It's not a trampoline. <laughs> when you walk in the straight line of living the life of a, of a believer, you do not want to fall. You ever see anybody on a, on a high wire act wants to fall? And when they do fall, do you think they drop in the net and bounce around and have fun and enjoy the ride? They quickly get up and get back up. Why? Because that's not what you want to do. But sad when Christians don't have a problem with falling. And when they're down, they might as well stay down here for a while since they're down here. Listen, let's walk the street now. And when we fall, let's get back up. Let's do what is good. Let us be self-controlled, sensible, sound mind, clear-headed. Let's think, man. 
And where do you think we get the ability to think? As we spend time in God's word, we study to show those things to ourselves approved. We understand what is right, true, and just in his word. We're going to be sensible thinkers, sound, mentally alert, morally sound in judgment, clear thinkers. We need to be self-controlled, upright, doing what is right, above board in our behaviors. No deception, no pretense, no lying, no cheating, no stealing. That is amazing. You know how we lie? We lie by silence, man. Did you go there? No, I didn't go. Well, maybe. I always tell people it's amazing how we, how we, that's why the, the, the lawyer, the judge always says, now, are you going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Because boy, we lie good. We lie good. What we'll do is we won't tell the whole truth. But these men, who are our leaders? The Bible says these men must be truth tellers, truth walkers. They must be men when you hear them speak. Yes, that's truth. I can trust that. I can take that to the bank. They're truthful individuals. They're upright. They're holy, set apart, pleasing to God in their attitude. They're disciplined and self-controlled. They're not controlled by their impulsive desires. These are God's leaders. And guess what? We should be like that. Why do these qualities just need to be in the leaders? Why can't we aspire to be just like this? Aren't we all in our own right in some way, shape, or form a leader? Some of us are leaders in Awana, Sunday school, junior church. Some of us are leaders on our jobs. Leaders in our homes, husbands, wives. Some of us are leaders on the playing field. I mean, boy, I tell you. I hear some stories, but I'm softball games, man. But you're the Christian. The leader. What example are you setting? Now, if these are the qualities, what must this man do? You see, in Crete, they had these false teachers. They had these false teachers. And it says that this man, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict. He must hold firm. He must cling to, adhere to the trustworthy word is taught. This man needs to be taught. You see, if you're going to be a leader in the church, you need to get some, 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 some teaching. You need to get some knowledge. Persons who lead God's people shouldn't be jokers. And I use that word, jokers, when it comes to the handling of God's word. We're in a war. We're in a battle. We need fellows who know how to handle the sword. Now, that doesn't mean you're able to get up in the pulpit on a Sunday morning and lay out this long exegetical message with all the right hermeneutical forms. You just got to know how to take your sword and do God's business. What does the text say? You must know how to teach, give instruction. You need to know where to go. You need to know where to look. How can you be a man of God 
a steward of God's Imagine that. Imagine the steward, the man responsible for the house, doesn't know how the plumbing is. He don't know where the tools are. He don't know where to find the pantry. He don't know where to look for, for, the, for the broom. He don't know nothing but the house. He don't know how to handle the people. This is your tool. This is your book. This is your manual. You want to run God's household? You need to have a firm grasp on the manual. And know how to use the manual. Know how to instruct in sound doctrine. Not funny business, man. You don't sit there on a Sunday morning and listen to somebody else. Talk a bunch of business and then say, you know what, I got that. And then come to church. Take your time. Go through God's word. Study what he says. Prepare yourself. And amazing enough, you see, when when Paul told Titus to look, he said, if anyone, anyone, all of us as men, especially talking to us men, we need to be able to handle God's word. Not just for the church, you know. But all of us have families. A lot of us have find ourselves in positions where we got to deal, we got to give proper teaching, and we got to be able to refute. When your child come home from school and he brings some red doctrine, you better know what to say. You better know where to go. We were just talking in Sunday school about the issue of homosexuality. What happens when your child comes home and says, Daddy, teacher was saying, you know what? Homosexuality ain't wrong. It ain't bad. Actually, they say, you know what? All of us go through this phase and should at least try it some a little bit to see if you really like that before you make a decision. So, you know, I, I think I got, excuse me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Son, I mean, somewhere in the Bible, somewhere in the Bible, I think, I think, um, um, which, You can't be fumbling. By the time you finish fumbling, you or she done gone. You need, and you say, well, I, I don't, I don't know, um, um, you know, what, what's it gonna take? It's gonna take time. It's gonna take study. You gotta stop for being lazy brothers. You see, I gotta be, speak straight up to my brothers. We gotta stop from being lazy. The TV will not help you with sound doctrine. Football ain't gonna help you with sound doctrine. Those of you who are fishermen, don't take me wrong. But fishing ain't gonna help you with sound doctrine either. Now you can study while you're fishing. But guess what? We have to take the time and make the time to get into God's word if we expect to be able to deal with the issues that are happening today, especially the leaders of the church. We got to be able to deal with the error that's coming up Listen, let me move on to this text. Listen, listen to what he says was going on in Crete. Listen to what's going on in Crete. He said, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict. There are people out there who come in against what the Bible says. We just talked about them talking about when homosexual church started. A homosexual church. A, a homosexual church. You, you hear that? A homosexual church. Them two don't go together, man. That don't make no sense. A homosexual church? Okay. But that's what we're dealing with. Listen, 
There are many, they're insubordinate. Listen, they are, they don't care. They're totally against the things of God. They're empty talkers, but they're talking as a bunch of foolishness. They've got no substance. They're deceivers. They're trying to trick you. They're trying to trick the children. I mean, they're trying to trick your wife. Before you know it, you come home, honey. I don't, I don't think I love you anymore. What happened? Yeah. The fellow said, I mean, you know, love, love, you know, it's a feeling. I don't feel it like that anymore. What? What do you mean? I don't feel like I love you anymore. Actually, I've fallen out of love. Like you tripped and fell into the first time. You trip again? It's the foolish, this empty, empty talking, empty talking. I lose my pace now. Empty talkers, empty talkers. And he says they're deceivers, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. There were those at that time who were actually teaching in the church. Listen, you need to be circumcised to be saved. People who believe that salvation comes through works as well. We gather today. They must be silenced. You know, not shut them out. You got to shut their mouth. They must be silent since they're upsetting whole families. These people are going and teaching in such a way that families are being torn apart. Daddy trying to hold his family together, but they got that woman over there. They got the children over there and his head spinning. It says, if you are leading the church and you got these fellas and see, they said these fellas were in the church. These, these talkers, these teachers in the church. Say, if you was an elder, if you were a leader in the church, you can't let Brother Craig come in the pulpit and talk foolishness. You can't let him go in your Sunday school and talk foolishness. That's why you got to have your hand, your finger on the pulse of your church. You got to know what's going on in your ministries. If you are God's manager, if you're God's overseer, you need to know what's happening. Because you may have some people in your church who teach in false doctrine. Heresy. And you say, that's a nice, that's a good brother or good sister. You sure? You know what's going on there? You know what's happening in that Sunday school class? You check it out. You know what? Sit in one day. Listen. Bring one child over. So what happened in Sunday school today? Manny tell us only the three gods. You see? You need to find out. Listen. Because there are these individuals that are teaching for shameful gain, but they ought not to teach. Doing it for money. And it says that these, these individuals, they, they, like the Cretans, a prophet of their own said, these Cretans, they're liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. He says, and it's true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. You see, this is another thing I, I feel we have a problem at. We let the attribute of God's love overshadow God's judgment. His righteousness. We believe because this, this, we love you, you know. But if you're doing wrong, we use this example again in Sunday school. I am going down a road that leads to a cliff. And you say you love me, but you let me keep going and fall off. Do you really love me? Do you love me? Listen. Sometimes 
you got to deal with people. Deal, you got to rebuke. And that's a strong word, you know. You have to rebuke sharply. What did the text say? Rebuke what? Sharply. Stop talking fool. You don't come up to them and say, <coughs> <but the> Paul, <laughs> you know, you, that was not a nice thing you said. You know, nice? Nice? You, you know what Paul was trying to do? Paul breaking up houses. Understand what Paul do. See, you, you are the leader in, God, in God's house. Understand what's going on. You have to protect God's people. Rebuke sharply. That they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and commands of people who turn away from the truth. You want them not to be focusing on all kind of false doctrine, all kind of error, all kind of myths. He said, listen, to the pure, all things are pure. To us, who are believers, it's pure. But to these individuals, the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Their minds and their consciences are defiled. Their mind, their very conscience is defiled. And these are the people that are teaching. They profess to know God. This is strict. They're like wolf in sheep's clothing. They profess to know God, but see, God is a good God. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their very works. You can spot Him, you know. If you have a discerning eye, a discerning ear, listen, watch. Got that look that they can't hide. The truth of God's word, the light, you can see them. And we gotta watch out for them. Especially today. When I look at these things that were happening in Crete, you see any difference to what's happening today? Liars, people preaching for gain, dividing homes, liars. That's what's happening today. And we need men in God's house who can deal with the error. See, I don't want to frighten you, you know. But I do. I don't want to frighten you. I don't want you to get scared and say, boy, you may think twice for that. I said, no. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires what? good thing. It's a good thing. But it's not a thing for the light of heart. It's not a thing for the man who's not prepared to study. It's not a thing for a man who's prepared to put in the time. It's not a thing for a man who's not prepared to be patient. It's not a thing for a man who doesn't want to live a life who is holy. It's not a thing for a man who doesn't want to be God's overseer, God's protector. God's steward. It's not for the faint. It's not for the light of heart. But again, I remind you, those qualities, um, I don't believe are just for God's man. I believe, I believe they're for us as well. I believe those of us who know Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, as I said, we're going to find ourselves in various positions where we are in leadership. In one way, shape, or form. Even in school, you as a student, you may think, this, this, this don't apply to me. This don't talk about it. I don't have to live this kind of life. Yes, you do. You need to. 
Young man, you may be the future elder in Calvary Bible Church. You need to live like that. Young lady, you may be the future Awana leader, the future Sunday school teacher. You need to live like that. You need to prepare yourself now. We are God's people, and we are in the middle of a battle. That song this morning, a mighty fortress is our God. I mean, it talks about us being in the middle of the battle. One word, what is that? One word, what? We, with God's help, have won. The enemy can come at us left, right, and center, but God will raise up men, godly men. Who will take a stand, stand against evil, and they will, they will do God's work. And the enemy, the gates of hell, will not prevail. People of God, children of God, God's stewards. Yes, the evil teachers may be out there. The false doctrine will abound. But we as God's people will study Study and live righteous. I believe, I know that they will not, they will not overcome. We have the victory in Christ. Jesus' name.